Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Blog Talk Radio listeners. I'm Evangelist Wanda Clay sharing God's Sacred Word Bible study with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come give Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Blog Talk Radio listeners. You have tuned in. Once again to a weekly internet program, I'm your host, Minister Joel Lewis, and you'll listen to Free on the Inside, a weekly internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you to be all you could be in Christ Jesus. We're in for a great time this morning. We listen to the musical selection of Mr. Don Diego. Uh, so we're uh, ex- uh, expecting to have a great interview this morning here. But before we go on with the interview here, we have uh, a Mr. Uh, Michael Sneed is going to be on there. He's going to be... Uh, one of our first interviewees here, and so we're excited about him and what he's doing. He has something to offer us. You know, it's a lot of things going on in the community. I'm located here in Dallas, Texas. There's a lot of things going on, not only just in Dallas, but throughout the country. And Michael have made it, has said in his heart to try to change the, the mindset of a nation, of a community, of a society. And so the next voice you'll hear will be Mr. Michael Sneed. And we're bringing him on. We have also Brother Daniel also conducting uh, as part of our interview this morning here also. So we'll help bring on Mr. C here. Good morning, Michael. You're on the net. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. First of all, I'd like to to thank uh, thank you and say good morning to you, Mr. Joel, and uh, to all of your radio listeners. And thank you so very much for the greatly needed service that you are doing in our neighborhoods with our kids and throughout the Dallas area. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Uh, I love what you're doing. Our kids need it. Um, well, thank you there, brother. Thank you. You know, you've been there with me now that the juvenile. I mostly do the juvenile uh, ministry. Uh, per se to our kids, but you want to go beyond that. You want to reach out to them right where they are, right in the community. You know, last week we had a community awareness meeting with some of the local officials, police officers, city officials, and uh, uh, other people that's actually involved in the community. They came together and they help, and they come to the conclusion that we need help. Tell us about that meeting that you attended. Well, I attended the meeting down at the MLK uh, Center with Chief, uh, the chief, and um, the mayor and everyone, and we're trying to come up with a reason to uh, to try to save our kids, to try to save our community. Uh, a lot of times we're saying that the police is not doing their job, but it's not the police job to raise our kids. That's our job to step up and be a parent and be a black man for number one. You know, we, we didn't stoop down too low to drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, that we're not even looked at as a man, you know, and I think we need to pull together uh, churches, and uh, we have churches on every corner in Dallas, and I think that we need to come out and reach the neighborhood, reach the kids. we got to catch the kids while they're still young, um, pull them together, have activities, 
that they can get involved in. Uh, we so often hear about the black newspaper. We have a black newspaper, this newspaper. That, well, how is it black when it's not helping the blacks? It's not helping the black community. It's not helping the kids. What is the focus of the newspaper? We got all these black churches. What is the focus of the church? We got away from the Lord and we're into something else when the church job is to focus on helping the kids, raise the kids. You know, that's, that's a second parent. The church is a second parent for kids, you know. But um, we don't have summer vacation schools. Our kids can't go to field trips this summer. No valley ranch to see the cowboys, no zoo. And we need to get together, even if we have to come out of our pockets. And if we can buy cheeseburgers and, and, and fast food every day, we can drop off a dollar or something to help the kids get into some kind of activities. You know, I'm hurt to have to see kids on the corner uh, trying to get money for band suits or cheerleader suits. And and to me, that's teaching kids to beg and to solicit. And as they get older, then they know a way to solicit for drugs or whatever, just get on the corner. And I think we need to wake up and realize what we're doing and, and, and focus oh, that's, on that. That's so true. You know, Mike, as you were saying that, I was thinking about a lot of times we want to uh, send our kids to school, and uh, and which is greatly and that we need that. Well, sometimes our kids need basic, you know, they need basic skills, man. You know, is that the wrong with being well, a plumber? Is that the wrong with being a mechanic? Is that the wrong with being, uh, you know, a a a, a business to put, uh, uh, you know, a a, a, bit, a working in the community? A lot of times everybody wants to go and they want to get that high, at high position and high. And, and, and that uh, high visibility job, you know. And, well, you know, yes, yeah, that's what we started at. The management. Man, brother, you got to start. You know, you need to just have uh, regular people, man. Cause I share with our young kids, hey, it's, I need a plumber. We all need plumbers. We all need people to cut her and stuff. That's not degrading you or lowering your expectations, but that's making you a valuable asset in the community and anywhere you go. Cause we're here in Dallas, Texas, but guess what? They need the same they need the same type of skills in California, New York, Florida, or wherever you go. You, as long as you have a skill, man, you can be useful. That's true. And, you know, that's where we started off. Uh, it used to be a time you couldn't find nothing but a uh, a black plumber or a black mechanic. Uh, uh, but now it's gotten to the point, as you said, that uh, that's too low for us. But you know that's a that's a that's a trade that's money that's big money, and but we've yeah got to the point that we want to start at management instead of starting at the bottom. You know I spent a lot of time and, and in prison myself, and I, I made up my mind that no matter what I had to do, I had to survive. That nobody was this world didn't owe me nothing, and I wasn't going to get nothing free. And so at this time, God has blessed me. God is awesome. Uh, I have anything and everything I need. Uh, I so oh, often go around and say. You still are? Oh, yeah, I thought you said, yeah. But I so often go around and say that I'm a millionaire. And I, I decided that I am a millionaire because my father, the Heavenly Father, owns everything. So I inherit it. <laughs> and so does we all. And so does we all. Oh, like so that. we can't feel no I, I less like than a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? We can't feel like we know yeah. less than a millionaire. And that's the problem. We start feeling like we don't have and we ain't. But we are. If we just reach oh, out hey. and seek. And put God in yeah. front of everything. 
you know, you said that, and I, I tell people, cause, you know, now people don't carry money too much anymore. They use a debit card. And I tell people I live in a cashless society. Not that I have a debit card, but I have everything I need. My father meets my needs. Like you said, he on the caliber down the hill. So I could go out comfortable. And when I when we're trying to put together programs and events, I'm not overwhelmed about the cost because my father got it all. He'll lead me to the reason. Your father got the bill. Make yeah, and he'll bring people in my midst that's able to help me accomplish what he put to my hands and my heart to do and, and for me to be able to share it. Mike, the key to success in this world and uh, uh, everything uh, 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 before we get to heaven is being able to be able to be a helper to other people. Save me from somebody that don't want to help nobody. You know, uh, right. Jesus, only way to Calvary Hill, but he stopped to go through Samaritan. One reason why he stopped because he said, this is my father's business. I must stop. Sometimes, Mike, we have to stop. Like you say, hey, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to help the young man. I'm going to try to change society. Yes, you you got some stuff you need to do. You got some time you need to make up, but you're willing to stop and help somebody, man. And you know, that God is pleased with that. Amen. Amen. You know, we have to stop. Uh saying that we what we need to do and we need to do it you know stop making plans and, and put them into action you know and stop looking for someone that, the next man to make the first move you know somebody's got to make the first move so we, we need to put it in ourselves that we're going to make the first move no matter what exactly and make things change exactly. you, know, and you know i can't look for what you're going to do i can't look for what you're yeah. going to do uh i was told one time <clears throat> By my sister, I love her so much. I say, why don't y'all go out and uh, feed the homeless? God has blessed us. It's eight of us, and we haven't had to go to funeral home not one time. I say, God bless us. Get out and and share and give back. And she said, well, I give to my church. My church feed the homeless. I said, well, will you be able to tell God that in Judgment Day that your church you gave it to your church and your church fed them? The Bible say, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Not did your church. You see what I'm saying? And so we need to get out ourselves and see what's out there. A lot of people don't know what's out there because we won't get out there. And we want somebody to tell us what's going on. But we need to get out and get involved in the community. You know, Mike, tell me, uh, before we let you go, brother, tell me about the event that last week. What did, decide, what did we decide as a community, as a people that curse? About the uh, the life of our young men and women, what what happened that can make a difference at the meeting that you went to last week? Well, the thing is, is that a lot of suggestions, but like I say, the main thing that we need is we need to make our kids feel like they're someone, not just a, a kid. A, a take have a closer look and a closer walk with our kids. Our churches need to get more involved with our kids. Our newspaper need to get more involved with our kids. It's not all about, about negative news. Have something good about our kids, uh, you know, and you don't see that in the paper. And so if you don't show the kids or uh, uplift them in no way, what do you really expect? If someone pats you on the back and tell you you did a good job, you do a better job next time. Is that right? And so, so if, we don't, so if, if we don't do anything for our kids or uplift them, the kids can't grow up. They can't learn stuff. You know, one guy said at the meeting, it's a shame that a kid have to go to school and be a kid. You have to be a kid at school and do what the teacher say and everybody say. 
But when he get home, he have to be a, a, a grown up. His mother and his daddy, they, they, they treat him and they like he's a duck. He has to do a duck thing. She has to act like an adult. But w- what is a mix? What are, what are we sending to the kid? Go to school, be a kid, come home and be a man. <laughs> you know, mm. so what do we expect? Yeah, and that, yeah that, the mixed signals kind of, they confuse the young person. And because then uh, uh, it all starts at the home. And I understand what you're saying on that. And, it, and you know what, and I just say that, I'm just thinking about it. Because I, I grew up in a neighborhood where we have to have two images. The one of a young man or a student, but then also be, uh, be an authority or in charge of the house. Because mom might not have been there on a regular basis. Dad might not have been there at all. So we had to make sure that, you know, our little brothers and sisters, you know, they eat their dinner and their room is clean and their homework is done. And we got to make sure that the landlord is being taken care of to the best of our ability. And so, yeah, you're taking on those adult roles as a child. Right, right. And, you know, my main thing, the main thing that I want to urge people to do is to, um, we have to go, we have to talk to our preacher. The preacher is the preacher of a church, but he don't run the church. He don't own the church. We are the member. We are the tide pair, and we make solutions, and we tell the preacher what we need to do. We need to tell our preacher we need to get involved in the community. We need to get involved with the kids, and if your pastor is not willing to do God's will and get involved with the community and with the kids, no matter if it's a kid of that church or a kid, no matter what, uh, they need to get another church, you know. They need to get another church because we need to be involved with the kids. People need to call you up and tell you, Reverend Joe, let me go with the juvenile. Reverend Joe, can I give you a little something to help the juvenile? Can I have you some money on a picnic? Can I get you to send them on a field trip? We got enough churches to do something for our kids. If they don't want to step up and do the main screen, then help you to help them. You know what I mean? Hey, we got the black <laughs> newspaper. It, 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 yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, give you, let you do it then. Let you take them to the zoo. You don't mind going out with them. Let you take them to Six Flags if they don't want to step up. Give you what it takes to, that, to help the kids. You know, that is so true, Carl. When I was younger, we had churches like that in the summertime. We didn't have very many uh, summer programs. It was a church. Everything was geared around the church. We went up there and had lunch at the church. We learned social events and how to govern ourselves, and it was a safe place. Now we don't have any really of those places left anymore. So kids are left at their own device and their own wit, and it causes us to get in trouble. Now, I heard the other day just on the news article that they said they wanted to beef up the patrol, uh, make po- uh, uh, make the officers more uh, more visible and, and other things in the community. What do you think about that? Is that a, well, is, is that a solution to the crime? Wait. That's no solution to the problem. The police is the police. We are the community. And so we have to make a difference. The police can come out when you call them. The police can come out for a robbery. The police can come out for murder. But the police cannot raise your kid, cannot help your kid to be responsible and, and stuff like that. You have to do that yourself. We're putting too much on the police and the police chief. And that's not, you know, that's not, we got to step up. We have to do for our own race, our own community. And that's the bottom line. We can't expect the police to come take our kids to school. We can't expect the police to take our kids to Six Flags. We can't expect our police to teach our kids how to read and write or how to get a job. 
So what are, what is our job? What is our job? But once you get in prison and the police is, is the daddy and he's working on your kid and he's this and that, then you think that's wrong. You know, so why don't you be the parent to keep your kid from getting to that point? Why don't you quit sending mixed signals that prison is okay? You can make it. You know, quit sending mixed uh, feelings to kids. Just, I'm just disappointed myself about how things are going. You know, like you said, we both have went through this situation, and we know it ain't got to be this way. No, it ain't got to be this way. That's why I work so hard to try to reach out to our young man. You know, I have this slogan attached to uh, some of the leaflet I passed. I said, help change a life. You, by you interacting in a young man's life, you're changing a life. You're changing a life. You know, right. Jesus said for That's you right. when he said, now go out and baptize the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and lo, I'll be with you. That means that you, are, you go out to change your life. And you're not changing. I'm with you. I'm going to support the thing that you do. I'm going to I'm going to give you that power to do the things that I put to your hands to do. A lot of times we're so fearful that we don't have the resources. We're so fearful that ain't nobody going to come along. And, and all that's true. But our, but our fear should not be in, in people and places and things. Our fear should uh, it should have that holy fear and be reverence for God. I'm fearful not to do that's the right. things that God asked me to do. Amen. That's what I'm fearful of. I'm not fearful of the Amen. money. Now, guess what? God got the money. Mike, you know, you've been with me for quite a while, and we do a lot of different things, but we do it based on on the resources that we have. And God blesses us with the resources. We never are badgering money. We're never raising money. You never hear me call up and say, hey, give me this. I'm trying to put together something. Because I, I pray to God, and God releases the, the finance. He opens up the windows of heaven and pours us out what we need to accomplish the Amen. task at hand. And I want everyone to know that, man. I want them to know. I want them to know that that there's somebody that's hurling, a hurler in the street that's calling out. Uh, you know uh, that salvation is near. That this is the day, acceptable day of the Lord, like yourself. Now, Mike, tell me now, what is the what is the next meeting, or what is the uh, what, what we're gonna do from here regarding the event you went to last week? What is the next step? Well, well, the next step is really up to us. The police. The city hall, their job, they're, they're talking about cracking down on the crime. They're not talking about helping the kids keep from getting to the crime. They want to crack down on them once they get there, but not before they get there. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. we need to get together to crack down on it before they get there so that they won't get there. And uh, so we still got a problem. We still got a problem. Uh, it was no solutions for us. It was solutions for the police as far as crime, but we as as people have to come up with a solution. We need to get together. You know, we can holler and scream at baseball, football, basketball game. We can spend that money. We need to get together and just fill up a Super Bowl and, and come up with ideas that we can uh, do something for our kids. You know, um, you I was disappointed when it. It, it sounds like the thing said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We just let you know this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this here, and y'all just sit back whether you, you want to be a part of it or not. Sound like that was the agenda that they had set for the community, that we're going to beef up well, patrol and we're going to do more surveillance and we're going to grab more people. That's what we going to do. Well, that's basically what they're saying. You know, they're not saying uh, – they just saying they beefing up control. We're sending the FBI and the federal and this and that in. But they're not saying they're doing nothing to help us. They're talking about shutting down yeah. business. We don't have any businesses now in South Dallas. So the businesses is not exactly the problem. The problem is the people, you know, the people, you know. And so we need to get the people 
people people need to you know really wake up. And if something's going bad in your neighborhood, you need to report it. You know, keep it away from yeah, your yeah. kids. You oh. know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We need solutions. So we got to step up. Hey, we have our we, we have our, our co-host on the line here. He's gonna. I'm gonna bring him in. He may want to say something regarding what we're talking about. We're speaking with Michael okay, yes, a, a community activist in the, in, uh, the southern part of Dallas, and he's encouraging us to uh, be involved in the life of a child, be involved in the life of a community. That you too can make a difference, help change the life. But in Jesus' name, not in any organization, not in any any structure, building structure, but in the name of Jesus, you can make a difference in someone's life. We have Brother Daniel is coming on here. Brother Daniel, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good morning to both of you. I'm doing great. Well, Mr. Sleeto, he's a community activist, a very good friend of mine. He'd have been over to the juvenile department with us. He'd have been to some of our settings, and he's sharing his gifting and talent and his awareness to our listening audience regarding some uh, some things that is affecting the neighborhood. Um would you care to ask him a question regarding uh, what we yeah, like went on last weekend? I need to ask him a question now. Uh, now, uh, it's stated that uh, they're getting ready to send uh, some uh, uh, state troopers in. You know? Well, yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, there was a news article in the Dallas Morning News. Uh, they said they're getting ready to send some state troopers in. So when you start sending state troopers in, Basically, what's happening is you're getting a different approach to the neighborhood. You won't get no familiarity to the to the neighborhood. So what we're saying is there's a gang problem in Dallas. You know, no no beating around the bush and saying around the We have a serious gang, gang problem in Dallas. We have one in Trevor Grove. And there's a one in South Dallas. And basically, these two areas around this town, basically, um, it might be something like a gang war. You know? And the serious, the main crime that's being committed is the selling of drugs. And when you say that you want to try to control your kids, you want to control what's happening, these kids come... Basically, they're coming from maybe um, these these uh, poor communities. They might be coming from the projects. They might be coming from substandard houses around in, in this area. And these kids are mostly involved in trying to make money. They're trying to support money, and they get clouded. Their 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 their, their minds are basically they see the big life. They see money. They want a shoe. They want this gold. They want, you know, and just all sorts of things. Basically, some of the things their parents can't give to them. So what they do, they cling around each other, and they basically they try to you know, make money. You know, little extra money. Are you? We don't know how much money is being get me made, but it's you know. Have you ever been over there in South Dallas, over there in my my uh, Martin Luther King? Yes, sir. I stay. Have you been, been over there on Sundays, Thursdays, or Sunday at that car wash? Thank oh, you. yeah. You can't even drive through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had talked to a couple of people uh, on the internet, and 
mostly young people, what they're saying that they needed to have a way they could prevent themselves on uh, having fun. Having fun on the weekends, you know, cruising, riding through the area on sad, sunny, sunny, sunny evenings. You can't get through there, but at the same time, there's something else going on that's being hidden. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And at the same time, the police cannot stop everybody. They can't check everybody. So, you know, you got two 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 things that was happening at the same time. You got these uh, people that that's really they say they're having fun, but what is the fun? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know. Well, let me say one thing real quick. Uh you made some very good points there and um uh I don't know if you see the news this morning, but Jim is shut down, there's no more car wash there. He wasn't able to no put restrictions. They put restrictions on him in the meeting we was at in the city of Dallas, put restrictions on him so deep that he couldn't have them. He couldn't afford it. He was he was ordered to have two Dallas police officers there paid by him 24 hours a day. They gave him his limitation was to open at 7 and close at 8, but he had to have police officers there 24 hours a day even after they was closed. Each individual had 15 minutes to wash his car or they was getting trespassing case. I mean, they made it so hard where he couldn't even make a dime, and he closed it mm-hmm. down. So it's closed right now. It's closed. He closed it down. And it won't be no no, no nothing at the night or tomorrow. But that's one of my solutions that what we need, because you made some really good points about the kids and everything. But if we come to a controller, if the police really, you know, a lot of times you have to think about something. The police really ain't trying to help us. A lot of stuff that we, problems that we have is brought to us through uh, politicians and police and stuff because they see stuff, you know, just like someone said at the meeting, uh, the police had got so relaxed, they'd be up there at the car watching people be all over their car riding with them. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And uh, so the thing is, is that what we need to do, if we go by, if it's a store there and the police see three, four or more people gathering, then we know something going on. You know that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. so they need to start stopping. And if you start pulling over, stopping them, and out of that three or four that you shake down and question and run ID, you may have three or four go to jail. You may have three or four with a gun. But once we start stopping them like that, they're going to stop hanging out here, move somewhere. We stop them there, and they move somewhere. Next thing we do, we done ran them out to the country somewhere. And it's away from our kids. And so that's the only way. But other than that, you like you say, it's drugs on every corner. And the kids see how they make it. On my corner, I say Hancock. And on my corner, uh, guys bring their kids with them to sell drugs. It's down there about running around playing. Lincoln High School, it's a car horse down there. See, I basically, I know all the games down there. You know, I used to work at a school, and I got to really know the different games. They got one called the 44 Oakland, and they got one called the... Um, let's see, Parkside. Well, I know them too because I did more than 35 mm-hmm. years in prison. I know the gangs. I know what they're about. I know know how real they is, and I know the gangs mostly act on uh, um, um, impression. Most of them work on impression, you know, trying mm-hmm. to please you or make you think that I'm not weak or make you think. Most of the guys that do stuff, kill and shoot, 
they don't even have it in them, but they got to stand up. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so yeah. a lot of them is doing stuff they don't want to do. And so uh, it's it's just a tough world out there. And so if if we don't get a hand on the kids, we're not going to get a hand on it. The ones that are grown, the dust, they already out there until yeah. they get arrested and go down there and learn that they ain't going to make it like that. We start, we got so to have what, the kids something. What, what, what are you saying that the parents need to do with their children? They basically they need to spend time with the kids. Oh, they mean, need to spend time with the kids. Try, they need to try to have make a going to probably go to functions with them. Basically, they need to take them to church. But I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of people are not going to church. The kids don't go to church no yeah. more because parents don't make them. I couldn't tell my daddy I wasn't going to church. I couldn't tell my daddy I wasn't going to church. That was a must. But you said exactly. They need to start. Function and parents that function with their kids and go to events with their kids, they don't have problem with their kids. Their kids be successful, doctors, lawyers, just they have a lot of success with their kids. But we, as the black community, the first thing we holler, I'm working, I don't got time. Go with Johnny and his mama down the street, or you and Johnny go. Here's some bus fare, and so that's not gonna work. And you know that's not gonna work. We got to spend time with them. We got to sit up and read the Bible with them. You know, we have to do things with them as a family at the dinner table. Teach them how people don't even pray at the dinner table no more in the houses. You know, we have to teach them how to pray. We have to teach them. We have to let them know where we come from. You know, you know, schools need to start having field trips and but I want the kids. The biggest problem now, like I said, I was in the school system for about thirty-three years and. The most problem is they don't even say prayer that's in the school no more, Harley. You well, that was that? that's what started. That's what started it. You know, so you know, if you take like prayer out of something. Like eating at the table, the kids don't want to eat with each other. They don't pray before they eat. And, and it's not being installed in school. That's right. And then the so schools are letting them get away with murder. They letting, yeah. uh, they, they letting them, the little gang members that's trying to perform, all sit at the same table every day, save seats for people and stuff like that. And they're not trying to control it. You know, they should try to control it. Hey, you can't save a seat for nobody. You know, and they got, you got to control it young. And then once they get older, it's the same thing. If you don't control it, it's the same thing. So we have to really start at the problem. We got to start down low, man. We have to start spending time with our kids. We have to start talking to our kids. We have to start being a father and not a friend, not a homeboy. You know, we have to, we have to, you know, it's changed. There's no more fathers. It's homeboys, my my little man and stuff like this, but we have to step back up and be the, and be the daddy. You know, we can smile, we can have a good time, but it's going to be right and wrong. You see what I'm saying? And so we, we, we just lost all focus. And, you know, she, when I was a kid, my next door neighbor, she could whoop me when I did wrong. You know, so it's like I say, now you don't even have a family that, so the, so the biggest, the biggest thing you would say would be a, like a, we would get out some of the church just around now. All of them just basically we just have one day we just go around and take over our neighborhoods. You know, we just start marching through our neighborhoods. You know, that's exactly what I love. That, yeah, and just start showing that we can pull together as being one instead of just worrying about I love it, brother. I love church. it. I love, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Having a mega church. And stop making them think one church is better than the other. Of one than the other. And so and if, if the church ain't with it. Everybody's pulling together, they can basically, they can respect it. 
But if you got one person worrying about who's doing the most, and it's ne- it'll never work. And I hate That's right. I hate talking about it, but basically, you have to be real about things. We got one. You got to be real about it. And the way I feel is that, like you say, we need to get together, even if we start at one or two, and go down East Street and march and talk to these churches, these members. Uh, if your if your pastor don't want to get involved with the community and with the kids, you need to back up out of here and find you a church that's willing to get involved. If the preacher ain't willing to do what he's supposed to be doing, look, mister, you need to shut this church down. We want you out of this neighborhood. We want you out. You know, I mean, we got to be bold. We got to stand up and be bold. You know, as long as we keep taking it, we're going to keep getting it. Keep getting it. Amen. Amen. I, I like your thinking, brother. I, I like your thinking. And, and basically, I had, I had talked to this other guy today about the series of homeless. You know, that's another victim about all this thing, too. You know, like me and Brother Lewis, we also, we go downtown, we feed homeless people. But most of these homeless people, are they are cooked up in this, what's going on with this whole problem. Most of these young, they prey on these homeless people because they're weak, and they sell them the drugs. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's they, right. I mean, everything you know, is to play on the homeless now. The community, the little sellers that's supposed to be helping them, it's all a money thing. And until people like you, me, and Mr. Joel step in and find out what are you doing with the money, what what money are you spending on the homeless, what are you doing for It's homeless guys that can't even get in center, so they won't let them in. Or they go out and look for a job and say they got back too late. How can I get back too late looking for a job and you won't let me get my bed? Yeah, that's, I ain't calling you know, what are you here for? I know what you're talking about. <laughs> in fact, you know, I had some experience, too, when I was getting on kind of out there. I, I went back, and you come back too late, and get your bed away. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That don't make sense. Yeah, that don't, don't make, make sense. sense. We need to find out you know, what's going on. We need to find out what's going on. Yeah. With the church, when the church tells us we're spending money on this or we doing this, give us some records. We got the right to see records. When this community center supposed getting, we see that this community center getting Ten thousand dollars, ten million dollars a year, and we don't see nothing going. Show us some records. Show us some paper. We got the right to get that. We want to see where that ten million dollars a year is spending because really, kids ain't going nowhere. They ain't doing nothing. They ain't got nothing going. Okay, we don't even have a school we got, in the black neighborhood no We got a, we got a mayor that's right now. He's getting ready to retire. Uh, I guess because he's going to return himself and getting ready to end. So basically, what have you think he had done for the we? You know, I'm just keeping it real too. What have you think he has done for a dollar since he's been in office? Well, you know what? To me, he ain't done a lot. A lot of people say he done a lot. I don't see nothing he done. If I can't see it in my neighborhood, he ain't done nothing. You see what I'm saying? And and these guys get elected just like Kevin Felder. I stayed on him many times. I took a picture with him this week. I got pictures. I sent Joel a picture. But the thing is. I'm not satisfied with him because he's my my city council for this year. He wants to do nothing for me. He wants to do all of his work for uh, Ferguson Road and back over where the white people is. What about sucking and hatching? What about Buncon? What, what, we need some help. You want to spend billions of dollars on the fire park and st- say you're helping us. You're not helping us with the fire park. We need our neighborhoods. We need you to go to this shopping center. We need you to make these people high. Some of these kids at summer school, he got the power to do it. He got mm-hmm. the power to do it, but they will not do it. They will not do it. They'll go help the other neighbors. You go out in Pleasant Grove or go out in the white neighborhood. 
all of the kids have jobs for the summer. Yeah, all of them, somewhere. But you come over here, it's not, we don't have jobs for the kids. I mean, they will make jobs. They will lay people off to put jobs for the kids. Over here, we don't work together. And we can do it because much money as we spend, this is our neighborhood. Go from store to store. Man, you need to hire one kid for the summer. So we're going to pick at you. You know what I mean? Give something back to this community. And we, we got to do it, but it's not, they're not going to do it on their own. We got to get together. It's a heck of a solution. And, and, but we got to get started. We I can't can keep talking about it. I, know about, I can tell you something I know about, you know, since I, I've been in, uh, I was born and raised in South Dallas. Uh, I went to uh, the high school over there, uh, Madison High School. And then I, all those guys, like, you know, I know all of them. I went to school with them. I know all the kids, you know. And um, the main uh, problem we have over there is that that property over there is real valuable. And when I was a little boy, most of all the homes over there were mostly Jewish people. And they lived over there. And so around about, I said about 67, 67 uh, they started moving out. Sixty-five. They started moving out. And they started start going out in North Dallas, and then the property started getting kind of. Uh, then crack came to town about in the eighties, and the you know Jamaican people came to town and started you know doing things, and then the apartments and stuff started getting all hold out, and the vacant apartments and all the drugs and stuff started coming in. And basically, the, the property values start going down. And all those, then you start seeing all them homes over there. You see all those vacant lots, they start to start tearing the house down. Now, there's a plot that they want to buy all the property back. And so, what I'm saying is, the black people, they don't want us over there. And I'm just calling, like I said before, I'm just calling as I see it and as I know it. They don't really want us over there no more. They really want, like you said, they want to push us back toward uh, Oak Cliff, uh, DeSoto, way out in the country, basically why they won't be able to see us no more. And well, then they're exactly, going to buy all exactly that right and rebuild it right back up again. You're exactly right on what you're saying. I know that for a fact. I've been over here in South Dallas for 62 mm-hmm. years, and that's how old I am. And, and, and yeah. everything you said was exactly true. And right now, they're making it so hard for black people to live in South Dallas. They, they have to go all more. They, they done ran the property tax up double just this year. You know, so, uh, yeah. yeah, they want it back. They're buying every house they can, every property they can. You know, and if you're not a black man that's working on a, a, a job, a stable job that's paying good money, you got to go. You know, you have to go. And that's the bottom line. You know, what are we going to do? How can we stop this? How can we save our neighborhood? You know. And one more thing that, that bothers me the most too is that uh, we can go to Kroger, we can go to the grocery store over here in South Dallas, and we can buy uh, three twelve packs for ten dollars or something. Then we can go to North Dallas and buy four packs for nine dollars or something. And why? I question these stores, and they say because people steal them. Well, that's got nothing to do with everybody. You know what I mean? But all mm-hmm. of our prices are much much higher. Our gas is higher. Everything. So how? Why are you charging a man with no money <laughs> the highest price? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and the main and so, thing I saw at first, you know, it used to be two million yards in, in South Dallas, don't you? Yes, on on Hatchet and on Martin Luther King. 
And then they drove one of both of them out of business. Now both of them went both out. Both of them. Both of them. They got this uh, Fiesta. Now they got the Fiesta there, and they tried. They've been trying to close it for the longest. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, they had it in the paper last summer. They shut down a bunch of Fiestas, and that was on the list. So if a man can't eat what but he somehow wants, they he struggle out of it. Buy groceries and stuff. Well, yeah. A lot of people in South Dallas can't even get to the grocery store. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's just another way to push you away. If we can take everything they need, you know, you got to go. They, they will go. You don't just have to go. A lot of people that move from South Dallas, they're trying to move to convenient. South Dallas used to be the convenient. Every store you wanted was on the corner. Every school you wanted was on the corner. They shut down Pearl City. They tried to shut down Lincoln. Man, come on, they tried to shut down Lincoln. And then we had to fight yeah. to keep Lincoln going. And it don't make sense. Why? Shut it down for what? And, and so you got Pearl City shut down. And you got enrollment, you know. They shut down all the schools over in Bunton. And then you drive through Bunton. And all, it was elementary school. And then you drive through Bunton. There's nothing but kids everywhere you look. And there's no school there. No school. So, like the bottom line is that we can't. We got to quit letting them people look out for us. We got to step up and start looking out for us. You know, we got to we got to make our voice be heard, and because we we are the taxpayers, we are the voters, and people gonna listen. And that's how Felder got kicked out this time because he didn't listen, and he lost very easily. Mm. And so, if we don't put pressure and tell them what we want, we ain't gonna get it. We're not going to get it. They're not going to come say, I see y'all need a new street. I see y'all need uh, bumpers in the street. And they, they're not going to come tell us what they see we need. If we don't stand together and make things happen, boom. And we got very few men to help. As you said, we got all the drug dealers and stuff like that. And so it takes us to make a change. And, you know, we have to make a change. Because the drug dealer, he don't see what's going on. He don't care what's going on. As long as he can make a few dollars. And he's only making enough to make take him through the day. He's want to look like he's somebody that he really ain't. Really not. Because most you know, of the time so, he's working for somebody else anyway. Most of the time he's working yeah. for somebody. No matter how far down you go, it's still going to lead back to the white man or the Mexican. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Man, I like your and thinking, so, bro. <laughs> I like so no matter how far you go. And, yeah, and to be, to be yeah. honest with you, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't know, but a lot of our churches are the same way. If you pull a... Pull a the root up out there, the white man running a lot of them. You see what I'm saying? And that's bad. You ever heard so, that before, sir? You don't hear that before. I mean, when I was growing <laughs> up, they had something they used to call about the big three. You ever heard that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go deep, man. I know you go deep. You go but deep. It's they got the big three. No. The big three. And, uh, you know, but like we said before, you got to get Everybody in, in these churches, basically, we got to basically find, we have to take back our families and take back the neighborhood. That's right. I'm going to tell you what. Do that. Number, okay, go on. Man. Okay, the number one thing, if we don't get to churches, we, we, we out of there. We are out of there. We need the churches. The churches is the power. To be honest, the churches, everybody need the churches. The police need the churches. We all need the churches. We need the ministers. Them are our real supposed to be leaders. Everybody needs the churches. The cops, the neighborhood, everybody needs the churches. And without the church, 
we can't hardly pull nothing together. It's going to be hard. And that's why the struggle has went like it was because the church has went down. You know, people are going into the word of God that's not calling to be there. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's just, what, what you, you saying, know what I'm saying? Say it again, say it again. Yeah, I, I say it's I people are going into the church to run our churches that are not calling by God to be ordained, to be a minister, to be the church. You see what I'm saying? My daddy was a big minister of People's Baptist Church, and he died, and now I'm the minister just because my dad was the minister. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I buy a church now. Back in our days, we couldn't. You couldn't buy a church back then. You can buy a church Somebody now. Somebody said you can buy a degree. You can buy your bishopship. You. That's what I'm telling you. No, that's what I'm buddy. telling you. So, um, we got to get the churches back. And the only way we're gonna get the church back is we got to put pressure on the churches. Like I say, if he ain't willing to do what we want, you need to get out of my neighborhood, man, and get somewhere else because you was just a demon over here. Corrupting my neighborhood, and we don't need you. And I'm gonna stand right out in front of your church with a picket sign and let them know who you really are. And I'm gonna have a set of horns on my head. You got to, you got to get rough with them, because if they ain't gonna do nothing, what good is a church if they're not uh, producing? Uh, if the main thing, the church work with kids. Everybody know that's been throughout the years. You know, so um, we can talk about it. We can say whatever. But we got to make a move. And I, and I ask that everybody that's listening to this today and listen to Brother Jewel and no Brother Jewel to give him your name. Say, hey, we're ready to get together. We're going to stand behind you and we're going to stand behind you. Just let us know and we're going to make this stuff happen. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of hearing somebody going to put it together. And then you're proving to me that you're ready to go to work. You know, I, I really believe it. You know, just to listen to the radio show and hear what somebody got to say, no, let's make a move. Let's make a move, you know, and that's just the way I feel about it. I'm not here just to talk. I'm not, I want to go. I want it to go to work. I want to work. I proved myself in a lot of things. And just as he said a while ago, uh, I take my time out. I don't have no time. My time is for the community. My time, I want to die helping my community. I want to die helping the kids. I want to die making a difference in this world. And there's too many people that have died to make a difference for us to let it be like this right now. Oh, Mike, that is so true. Hey, man, you know what? Let's do some positive things here. We're going to bring you back on at a later date. We'll follow up on it. But I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you again. Uh, we have our next guest on the line here, and so we're going to uh, bring them on with the time that we have left. But I want you to hold on, and I want you to listen to this our next guest here. And what, uh, Our interview we conducted for the last 45 minutes has been with Mr. Michael Sneed. He's a community activist in the southern part of Dallas, and if you see him out there, uh, help him to help make a difference in our community. The next voice you'll hear will be Mr. Don Diego, you know, our guest this morning. And so we're happy to have him on here. Good morning, now, Mr. Diego. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, oh I am so honored and pleased for you to be a guest on the program. I was listening to a part of your LP here, and I'm excited about it. Uh, uh, and the title of it is I'm Still Standing. Come on now, talk to us about that. After all this time, Mr. Diego, you're still performing. You're still doing your craft and your gift, and tell us about that. First of all, I want to give all honors to Lord Jesus Christ. You know, your health is your wealth, and uh, I'm uh, that's 
that's the reason why the title of the CD, I'm Still Standing. I've been in the business over 30 years, and I just feel like it's a blessing. I still have the passion for it. I still love what I'm doing, and it's just, I'm just excited every day that I'm able to wake up and and play my horn and do what I do. I do this thing called music. So I, I came up with the idea I'm still standing after 30 years, and, and that's that's basically what it is. I'm just getting started. And, you, <laughs> and, I, and I, I'm smiling because I can hear it in your voice that you still go. And you know, you've been on this, on our program once before, and I thank you for seeing enough and us to sell, uh, to want to come back. And you have this new your album that you allowed us to uh, share with our listening audience here. Tell us the genesis behind this here album. Because I was looking at some songs that's on here, and I listened to some. Oh, man, you got some beautiful lyrics on here. Saying, Dance With Me, Thanks. and I'm Glad. And and so sexy, you know. This is a Christian program, man. But God wants us to enjoy life, man. You know, He wants to go out and, <laughs> and enjoy the things that He give us. So I thank you for uh, for sharing your gifting with us because our program is called being free on the inside. Some person is being held hostage because they don't feel that freedom to do the things that they they have a desire to do because they're thinking that it, it you know that it won't be accepted by God or man. So talk to us about that. What keeps you in the business? Yeah. <laughs> My whole my whole thing is uh, I minister through my horn, you know. Uh, before, I, before I go on, I always let people know that I put the Lord in Jesus Christ first. And when I, the last thing I say when I go off is put the Lord in Jesus Christ first. And while I'm playing, I'm playing to the Spirit, through the Spirit. And that's what it's all about to me. And if I can reach someone you know, when someone hears me or hear my playing or hear what I'm playing and wonder what what drives me, it's the Lord and Jesus Christ. You know, that's why they use, that's why in, on commercials they use famous people to get to other people. So through my horn and through my word, I, I mean, through my horn and through what I do, I'm ministering to you. And I just want people to know that uh, my drive is through the Lord and Jesus Christ. And maybe they'll latch on if I can get one out the whole audience. And that's my whole thing. I'm always ministering through my heart. You hear me? And, you know, I had the opportunity to hear you personally uh, throughout the year, and your music is so smooth and timeless. You still sound just as good as you did from the first time I ever heard you. <laughs> now, uh, for a young up-and-coming artist, how, how important it is to stick to your craft? And, you know, I know you need to change somewhat, uh, but you have been consistently playing the music that you're playing and found the listening audience. Yeah, you have to keep the fire. You have to have the desire to do what you like. Like I say, I wake up in the morning, I want to play. Uh, I might be feeling down, but when I pick my horn up and, and, and hit the stage, you know, I have that fire to, to continue to do it because I like doing it. You have to like what you do. You have to. If you don't like it, uh, then you ain't going to do it long. Or you're not going to want to do it. It's not. I mean, I get paid, believe me, I understand that, but it's not all about the money. It's about my desire and, and my passion for what I'm doing for the music. I enjoy doing it. So that's that's my fire. But to the children or to the kids or to someone that's coming up, trying to play or learning to play or doing that, I think uh, I want to let, let them know, man, get, learn the business part of it because that's the, that's the whole deal. You've got to learn the business part because you, you, you'll be playing for nothing if you don't. And that's what that's what'll bring your whole spirit down when you know you're working and you know what you're working for and you don't have your business together and and your music is playing but you're not getting paid. So 
learn the business mm. part. Lily, so now, now you've been in the industry for quite a while. How how, how much have it changed? If changed in any for artists being in control of their own sounds and their own, uh, uh, you know, their own persona. Because at one time you had a manager, you, and managers are good, but then sometimes you need to learn to take ownership of your own copyrights. Is it is it still a challenge, or is it easily done than than it used to be? Oh, it's changed tremendously. It's it's changing, and I and I uh. But they equate that to uh, the internet and to the social media because back in the day when I first started, the whole thing was let's get a deal. We gotta get a deal. We gotta get a record deal. And but then you gotta go through the major labels to get a deal, which I've done that part. And now you can put your stuff out on your own. You go on the internet, uh, put it out over the internet, and you can sell music. You can you you can do everything by yourself. And once you get your social media, and once you get the followers and that kind of thing. The rest is going to be looking for you, and you may not even want to sign with them because. And and I put that. That's all because of the internet and because it, the, how much things have changed. And, you know, it's a, you live by the sword and die by the sword. I like the internet. Uh, I love it. I love the way you can get your music out. But some of the stuff uh, that it that uh, that comes with that is it's not that good either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's but good. It's changed now, uh, a lot. It's, uh, it's changed a whole yeah. lot. And it's changed yeah, as we go. Uh, <laughs> now, what are some of the artists that you, don't you have, have been a, able to you play with? Go ahead. Go ahead. And I gotta say this: I have, I have a degree and I in music, and I've, and I've been playing a long time. But now, you don't have to be a musician. I mean, you don't have to know music to be a musician. And I and that's because of the internet also. You don't have to know music to produce music. You don't have to. Back in the day, you had to learn, and you had to learn your craft, you know. And it's a, it's different now. But I play with a lot of people, man. You name, I played. I've been on the road most of my life, most of the thirty years, in and out, uh, in and out of uh, the country. Uh, I played with a lot of people. Kirk Whalem, uh any sax player you can name, just about I've played with. Um, I've I've just I've just been blessed. You know, and you know, and reason I brought that up because you have been able to play with some uh, well-known and established artists, but yet you kept you was humble. Each time I I talk with you or ever ever met you, you always uh, spent time with me. I, you was engaged. You know, you wasn't just talking and drifting out. You was engaged, and that, and that speaks volumes because sometimes as we start being uh, on the professional level, getting a little notoriety, we start like, okay, you don't mean nothing to me. I'm going to move over here. You're not valuable. But, Jen, I have to admit that you have always been humble, and you've been the same person I have met uh, uh, from the first time, you, and you hadn't changed. And I remember some time ago you was over at Lincoln High School. You was a band director at one time. <laughs> little long right. man, you know, that you, you was over right. at Lincoln. Uh-huh. So, uh, so um, um, go ahead. Yeah, I taught in Lincoln for when I first graduated. I was doing some, uh, trying to do some teaching. And like I said before, that wasn't my passion. I mean, I, I love helping the students, man, but I was really trying to help myself. Uh, I learn every day <laughs> with, with, my, with my instruments. So, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, I mean, I do. I, I love teaching. I love trying to help people with that part of it, but I'm still learning myself. So it's hard to teach when you learn it. You know what I'm saying? And as far as being yeah. humble, man, you have to cross it. You might have to come back over the same bridge that you crossed going up. So I try not to burn no bridges. Although in this business, it's hard not to sometimes. 
you know, God only put people in your life for a certain length of time, and it might not be that time anymore. So you have to realize it's time to move on, and you have to move on. You can't, you know, keep going back where you started from. You know, that's that's the word for the day. And, you know, I always think about having a thick skin but a soft heart. You've got to be able to stand the weather and the, and the things that's coming up against you, you know. But yet you still got to be compassionate and serious about your gifting and serious about it. We have uh, our co-host on the line here, Brother Richard Daniels. He's going to say a few words to you. And, we, again, we want to thank you for being a guest on the program. And uh, it's an honor you, for you to be a part of what we're doing. Mr. Daniels, we on the net here with Mr. Don Diego. Hey, good morning to both of you. How y'all doing today? Top of the morning to you. I'm blessed. It's early, but I'm blessed. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, uh, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you, Don. You know, we me and you go back a long ways, too. Uh, I think, uh, were you one of the first uh, uh, set of kids to go to Booker T. Washington? We call it Art Madness now. Uh, yeah, you- I was. Yeah. Well, I was one so, of the the. the well, who was all in that? Who was all in that group of kids that came from school that year? I I know a lot of y'all, man. I mean, oh, uh, uh, let's see. I think uh, what's this old guy? You know a guy named Glenn Price? Know him? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, there's there's, there's a whole lot of yeah. There's a whole lot of musicians that came through there. Uh, I don't know if they came through on my year, but we all, like, I might have been a senior or a junior, and uh, they were might have been a freshman, uh, uh, but they were in the school at the, at the time. Uh, Keith Anderson, Roy Hargrove, uh, Erica Badu. Uh, uh, yeah, Erica Badu. What's her name? Uh, the guitar player. Uh, uh don't know how. What's her name? Uh, and uh, she's a Grammy winner. But a lot of yeah. a lot of people came through arts. And that first year, arts was kind of wild because they, they we were trying to start something that that hadn't. You didn't have no kind of curriculum. They, we were trying to build a curriculum. As a matter of fact, yeah. one of the guys yeah. that was in my class wrote the school song that they're singing now. So oh, it, it, it was it's great. Yeah, and I am a graduate of Arts Magnet, Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I claim. Okay, now you said something about you. Uh, one while you uh, you left town and went to Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, um, recorded. At the mm-hmm. at the time, uh, Dallas was uh, crowding me. Uh, it was I was playing so much. I was playing seven nights a week. Sometimes two or three, two or three nights, two or three times in one day, and. I was basically killing myself, and I had to get away. You know, I was working so much. You know, if I sit down anywhere, I was going to go to sleep uh, because I was so tired from working. So mm. I just decided that the band that we were playing with, we just said, you know what, let's move. And I called a friend who owned the club in Atlanta, and he said, man, he would love to have me. He called the apartment complex that we all stayed in, and we left. I got the pods that they put in your front yard, loaded my stuff up, and we left that next day and went to Atlanta and I was in Atlanta for about six years and yeah. loved it. Yeah. And then this, ironically, I started working the same way in Atlanta, six nights a week. So I guess you can't run. Those right. first two those first two <laughs> CDs that you made basically came out of Atlanta, right? The first two CDs? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you said? No, the yeah, first I have like sixty seven CDs I think. Uh 
I did two of them in Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bridging Generations, I think, uh, was in Atlanta, and another one I did in Atlanta. Uh, uh, I can't think of it, but I did two CDs in Atlanta. I moved. Uh, uh, the guy that recorded me, I was on a label uh, from Atlanta. The label, the guy came and visited me. The, the president of the record label flew down, and that's what they used to do. And he met met me and. I think he gave me $500 <laughs> back then just to let me know how serious he was. You know, he just handed me $500 and wanted me to come down. And I why I eventually went down and talked to him, and I signed a contract on that label. I forgot the name of the label, but then I recorded two CDs on that label. That's pretty mm-hmm. good, too. Yeah. I remember yeah, uh, I did one of Babyface's songs uh, for the cooling you on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know it. I know. I, I I used to listen to it a lot, man. Okay, now you say you play saxophones. Now uh, I think I heard on one of them you say you play the keyboards too. I ain't never seen you play the boards before, man. You know you pretty good on. You know a lot of us play keyboards too. I can too, but you know that's most. That's the building block of all instruments. You got to learn the keyboard. You know what I'm saying? Right. You have to have a keyboard function in order to know what you're doing. You can basically play better at any fashion horn. Yeah. Right, and you, you're exactly right. Uh, I I'm not a keyboard player, but I play keyboard. I play keyboard yeah. enough to write my music and and know how and know chord structure and know how to move around. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. That is you have to. But I'm still learning horn sax sax myself too. So <laughs> I'm I'm surprising myself with that. I know I know you do this technique, man, and I've been trying it. I can't perfect it right now. And uh, what did you do to, in order to learn how to circle the breeze? You know, I've been I've been reading books, man. You know, I've been playing my horn for a long time, and I can't do it, man. How do you get the whole uh, notes that long like that, man? I know, man. Like you say, it's called circular breathing, and uh, you believe it or not, man. And when I was a uh, guy down the street, his name Michael Thomas. I'm going to call his name out. I was uh, I didn't have a horn. I used to he used to he was he went to school with my brother. He was like six years older than I was, and my brother was a, was a musician also. He played, so Michael would let me borrow his horn, and uh, I didn't even know the notes. I didn't know anything, but I could circular breathe when I first started, before I even knew how to play the horn. And the technique is you just, um, you have air stored in your mouth, in your jaws, and as you breathe, you use the air uh, that's left in your mouth. So you constantly circular breathing. It's while, while the, when the air is just about to run out of my, from my mouth, I take another breath and feel my feel, feel air back up in my jaws. So that's why that's how that technique was. But I just just I'm not blaming on the Lord, uh, the Spirit again, you know, God and Jesus Christ, because I knew how to do that before I could play. Mm. And I don't even know how to, I don't know what it was, but I, I yeah, not not adding to something. That was another one of those artists, man. He had that down. He got real famous doing that. I'm not gonna call his name, cause you know you know what I'm talking about, though, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. First name. He started it like a novelty. Everybody started right. wondering about how you, you know. Well, you know it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Dan, uh, Mr. Dan, this has been a great, this been a great interview. 
uh, that with Brother Daniel and myself here. And we're not going to hold you up here, but it's one other thing I just want to ask you. It's one tune that I was uh, listening to you, and I, and it really caught my attention here. It says that I'm your brother. Do you remember that off the fun album, off your fun CD? I'm your brother of the fun city. My fun city was the yeah, last it was one you. Yeah, yeah, it was a rap tune. You was playing the musical instrument, and we had you had a rapper in there, and I, I thought that was very creative because I never heard that style from you before, and it really caught my attention now. So, I, and I encourage our listeners to pull that up and listen to it. It's very good. Uh, but it says that I'm your brother, and that was the first rap CD that I heard. That you you were literally you were playing the music, and we had another artist that was doing the rapping for you. So right, uh, I don't think that was a fun CD, but it was one of the CDs that I did. Uh, 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 I can't I can't think of that CD either, but I remember the rap song, and that's the whole thing about me. My music, I use jazz uh, harmonies with hip hop melody. I mean hip hop hip hop melodies. With jazz harmonies, so that's why I came up with the concept that's called Raz, and that's the name of the band. So rap and jazz mixed together is real. Yes, it is. Uh, well, well, thank you once again, and we're gonna close this portion out here with your uh, selection. Said I'm still standing, and so okay, we want to well, thank you, Mr. Don Diego. Diego, before you go, before you, yeah, before you go, where you at? Where you, where you playing at? So some of our listeners want to come here. You can go to my website. You can go on my website, dondiegojazz.com, uh, and, and, and you'll have a schedule. Plus, you can buy my music. But tonight, I'll be at Vanetti's. used to be Stone Trail. I'm there every Friday, Saturday. Okay. Every Friday, Saturday. Uh, okay, well, go ahead. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm also at South Dallas Cafe if you just want to come in here, just saxophone, you know, during the daytime. Okay, okay. What's the hour of the daytime? Okay. One to three. Eleven to three. Okay, I tell you what, I could do that for lunch sometime. You know, it's like a little a little okay. brunch. Okay, well, great. South Dallas Cafe. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you very. Uh, thank you again for being a guest thank on the you show. Thank you for being. Thank you for being committed. It makes me want to keep going. Cause after you, I say you've been still standing for thirty years, man, and it makes me want to keep going. Knowing that uh, that I can keep I going, can endure. Thank going. you for endoring and encouraging us. <laughs> <laughs> so too. Well, God bless you. Have a great day, okay? Thank you. Same to you. All right. Thank All you. right. Bye, oh, man. What a great, what a great interview that we had, uh, Mr. Don Diego. Sorry we couldn't go any further, but our time is up here. You know, so we thank Mr. Don Diego for coming on. You know, he's a musician. He's playing late at night, but yet he found uh, he, he found it valuable to be a guest on the program to encourage us, to encourage young men and women to follow their gifts and their talents. I love this program. It's called Free on the Inside. That freedom allows you to work in the community, as Michael Steve. That freedom allows you to play your uh, 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 musical instrument and give your uh, all your talents to God and God's people and bless somebody along the way. We talked about that earlier. Yes, I'm going somewhere. God got me on a call, but along that journey, I got to stop and render aid. I got to stop and help somebody because somebody came from heaven above and stopped and helped me. So I encourage you to help change your life in Jesus' name. Brother Daniel, we had a great time this morning. Amen. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff covered today, bro. Covered a lot of ground today. Yeah, we did. We did. And we want to... We want to We want to take just to heart what we heard today uh, regarding uh, uh, Mr. Snead uh, and with uh, uh, Mr. Don Diego. We want to take these things to heart. 
We want to manage our money, our resources. We want to uh, uh, be uh, kind and generous to people along the way. And we also want to correct the wrongs that have, that have been inflicted in our community. We want to change those things. Now, don't just take it for granted. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Make an effort to do it. One can chase a thousand. Two can send ten thousand to flight. Maybe with you, me, and someone else, we can change you a nation. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Brother, you know, I just remember when yes. I first met the brother down there. Go, man. You know, I saw him, man. He was playing at home, man. I never seen anybody play a horn like that in my life. Saxophone, man. The runs and the runs, you know. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, he is very gifted. Remember, you had to your South Dallas Cafe at lunchtime. That's a good way to spend lunch, man. Yeah. Eleven to three, man. That's that's nice. And you know, I tell you what, make you make our way over there sometimes. People playing music in the daytime like that, man. You know, music mostly like a night, but I always wonder, man, why do people want to just listen to music at night? I mean, I mean. Lunchtime brunch would always be like that, man. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you know, maybe that's the start of something. Maybe it might be a lot of other places that's gonna pop up like that. But then we gotta get out of here, man. We gotta get out of here, man. I'm gonna talk to you at a, at a later date. But thank you once again. We had a great show. I'm looking forward to doing this again next week, Lord willing. Um, where everything went well, and this is God's business. I'm not overwhelmed by the situation. I'm just honored to be used by God. Hey, as we get ready to get out of here, we're going to have a weird prayer. Wish Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for what we experienced. Thank you for what what we have received today. We want to thank you for our two guests that came on that, dear Lord, that helped change the mindset of a, of a nation, of society, dear Lord. Uh, Mr. Sneed, dear Lord, is, is a petition to heaven, dear Lord, to, for him to have the resources, for him to have an inroad for him to make a difference in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls, dear Lord. How uh, Mr. Diego is very gifted and talented, and he has longevity. He's committed. Lord, let us be committed to the things that we do. It's easy to change our uh, change plan. It's easy to walk away, dear Lord. But let us be committed, dear Lord. Commitment. Commitment, dear Lord. It's like fate. It's something that cannot be determined, dear Lord. You have to work it out your own self, dear Lord. And so allow us to be committed and faithful at the task at hand. Dear Lord, we're going to thank you for Brother Daniel, how he's continually to come forth and be a part of this program, dear Lord, where you continue to bless our, all our listening audience, dear Lord, and let us be mindful. This is the day in which you have made. Let us rejoice in it until we meet again. Everybody be safe and be empowered by the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Pray on the inside.
Would you like to run a fulfilling business that gives you the time to do the things that are truly important to you? Now, if you said yes, but think that that sounds too good to be true, I urge you to just hear me out. My name's Tim, and I'm shooting this video from my home in Singapore. Now, since I started my home business, this or anywhere I have an internet connection and my laptop can be my office. I run an online marketing business and got successful fairly quickly, and now I work with people all around the world, showing them how to get out of the job or situation that they hate using tools that are more available and simpler to use. 
click a couple of buttons and get a Lamborghini or Ferrari because life isn't about those things. And if that's what you want, then please skip this video. To me, life is about creating the shared moments and memories with those we love. That's unfortunately something I needed to learn the hard way. You see, for 20 years, I worked as a corporate lawyer. Right here in Singapore, one of the global business and financial centers of the world. People have said that lawyering is in my blood because I come from a family of lawyers and became the head of law departments in some of Singapore's biggest brands and most prestigious government agencies very early on in my career. And literally handled billions, you know, in the course of my work. Financially speaking, I was doing amazing. Living the dream, so to speak. Now, winning in my career wasn't easy. The years leading up to that were marked by missing family and friends, but I accepted that as something that I needed to do, the sacrifices I needed to make to get the financial success that I wanted. But 20 years in, and what I considered to be the very peak of my career, because, you know, simply there was nowhere further up to climb, I was still making those sacrifices, giving up what was important to me for what was important to those who paid me. I never had time for family, friends, let alone for myself. I got overweight, missed all the important moments that make life, well, worth living. And though I was earning a very, very good income, I was still constantly worried about retirement, uh, the ever-changing global economy. I read about people losing their jobs to automation, and lawyers aren't excluded from that. All in all, I felt trapped, backed into a golden corner, so to speak, and completely unfulfilled. I knew I needed to change the course of my life, but what would I do? I felt I was too senior in my career to change that, too old to start a business or learn something new. I wasn't particularly tech-savvy. I entertained the idea of going back to school, but honestly, the thought of student life didn't quite appeal to me. Then one day, I came across a video, a little bit like this one, and they promised to send me some free training on how I could set up and run my online business. I was skeptical, of course, um, but it was free, so I signed up. Now, in short, I learned everything I needed to run a home-based online business, and not long after, I found the career change I was looking for. So fast forward to today, and I run a successful home business. I'm here for my family and my friends. I volunteer in the community and in church. I even have time for myself. I no longer dread going to work and, you know, I wake up looking forward to the wonderful surprises that life will bring me today. Honestly, it's like a breath of fresh air. And this ignited a passion within me. I tried to show the world that people don't need to suffer in jobs that they hate or businesses that leave them feeling empty. There's a blueprint for doing this. And it's this repeatable model that anyone can learn. You see, the same tech advances that made me worry about losing my job are the advances that are making it possible for ordinary people like you and me to make good livings working from home or anywhere else we choose for that matter. But I'm sure you can agree that the internet is here to stay. Of the 3.7 billion people online, less than one one hundredth of one percent use the internet to make money. Historically, that's unprecedented, that ratio, where there are so few sellers in the market this big. But because of that, you need to be some whisk to successfully tap this market. What is needed 
needed is hard work and determination to get your business going. After that, automation takes over and you start to make sales 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And believe me, the automation isn't as hard to set up as you imagine. If I can learn it, I'm pretty sure you can too. The key is being open to learning it. In the past, if you wanted to earn more, you had to work more. Some work two jobs and wish they could replicate themselves to right? Others like me worked for the promotion of the next increment. Again, automations change this model. We do it every day. It's called copy and paste. Imagine if you could do that with your business. Instead of replicating yourself, you're replicating your work and hence your income. I want to be very clear about this again. I'm not here to introduce you to some get-rich-quick scheme. And honestly, I don't want to work with anyone who's you know, looking for that. The community we've painstakingly built are serious entrepreneurs, supporting each other on their journeys. Also, I'm just old-fashioned, by the way. We are doing this the old-fashioned way, with hard work and determination. Because the fact is, you're going to be learning something completely new to run a business that's completely new to you. Now, it's not an impossible task, but it takes learning. What I can assure you is that all that you put in in the early days will come back to you in an abundance of time and financial freedom. So what I would like to do is to provide you with an introductory video series, the same one that I was sent that allowed me to find my time and financial freedom. Click on the links anywhere on this video, you know, or below it, or visit my website, and you'll be brought to a page where you'll need to enter your email address. I need this email address to send you the free training materials. Now, go through those lessons, and if you ever get stuck, just reply to any of my emails. I'm here for you, and I look forward to welcoming you to this amazing family of entrepreneurs. See you inside. Mm-hmm.